Good morning. I'm your host, Claudia Shambaugh, welcoming you to the 2016 edition of Ask a Leader. And part three of my 2016 election coverage. Today, Irvine City Council candidate Ian DeLucian, Irvine mayoral candidate Gang Chen, and Irvine City Council candidate Shiva Farivar will talk individually about policy and their respective visions for the city. We'll be right back after a short station break. My first guest is City Council candidate Ian DeLucian, running for one of the two seats on the Irvine City Council. He earned his BA and MFA from the UCI Philosophy, Drama, and Stage Management Departments. He is the founder and executive director of the startup The Heart of Delight, an Irvine-based 501c3 nonprofit whose charter, in their own words, is to, and I quote, alleviate the suffering of survival to empower a thriving existence for all, end of quotes. Welcome to the show, Ian. Hi, good morning, Claudia. Thank you so much for having me. Good morning. Well, you were surely a, a, a very refreshing contestant, as we say, on, on the, the panel of mayoral and city council candidates at the Student Center some weeks ago. And so I just would like to give you an opportunity. I, I frown upon people giving their stump speeches when we have not only a short amount of time, but we have precious time on the radio waves. But I do want to give you just a chance to say what your motivation for this office is. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, before I get into that, I just wanted to uh, add a quick note. Um, I'm also an entrepreneur starting a, um, a, a startup at the UC Center for Applied Innovation, and that the name of that organization or that startup is Artalis, and it's a web app uh, for the arts industry, and the other one is the, the nonprofit venture, so I just wanted to clarify that real quick. Okay, well, better put that in your bio. I don't think that's in the bio on your website. Must be. Yes, I don't think so because um, oh. we're <laughs> we're in the very early stages, and I didn't want to advertise that too much. Well, you know how uh, that gets the uh, the free marketers in the Orange County area. It gets some salivating when you start bringing up all the startups. Definitely, that are, uh, definitely. So let's Thank get back you. to your motivation for running for office, Ian. Sure. Uh, so in my work with the nonprofit um, in the city of Santa Ana, uh, while I was doing work and supporting uh, the homelessness uh, alleviation at the Civic Center. I worked with the city council in the city of Santa Ana, and in having that direct uh, interaction with the city council, I felt that there was a lot of inertia or the, the lack of priority in alleviating poverty in their own city. And it was the first time that uh, me, being an advocate of the homeless and also coming from a grassroots movement, I uh, saw that there was this wall that I'm running against, and it's this political wall, and it's this wall of local government that uh, even though you, you voice your concerns, even though you uh, attend all the meetings and you speak up for the people, uh, that there's just so much that you can do um, as an advocate, as a grassroots movement, that you actually have to uh, implant yourself into the institutions, into 
of those positions of influence in order to impact change within the community on a different level, on the grass tops level, I would say. So that's one of my motivations for uh, getting into politics. And another is that Irvine is my home. It's becoming my home. I've lived here for close to eight years now. I've worked here in the same time, and I've gone to school here, and now I'm doing a startup here, and I have a nonprofit here. So it just makes sense that uh, the concerns of the city uh, I now have to take ownership of that, and it becomes my own concerns as to the direction of where we want the CD to go for the next 20 to 50 years. Well, I'd like to then transition into this particular kind of clientele, and maybe it's a much broader demographic now, with respect to the city's master plan amidst the current growth rates. We've been talking about this with other candidates and the need for the comprehensive uh, master plan being a uh, now incorporating the much faster rate of growth that's in the city and your vision for accommodating the growth and the way in which mixed uses needs to be considered still in redevelopment and newly development um, d developed areas. Yes, I absolutely agree on the point of mixed use. And I also want to mention that I attended a uh, previous a forum uh, where the city planners had uh, basically invited the general public to come and give their feedback. And one of the takeaways for me was that the city planner said that there's only so much that we can do in uh, doing our research and presenting the information to the city council. And uh, one of the concerns from the, the residents uh, who showed up in the forum is that, hey, we're voicing our concerns. We're telling the city planners what we need and what the issues are, but it doesn't seem like these things are being implemented. And the city planners came back and said, uh, there's only so much we can do. We give our advice to the city council, and the city council also listens to the advice of the people, and ultimately the decision rests in their hands. So where, where do we identify is the problem? Well, the problem is with the members of the city council. Uh, I'm not pointing fingers. I'm not placing blame. I'm just saying the ultimate point in which we can have change in terms of development uh, and the master plan and everything that we're going to implement is via the city council. And also, the original master plan, we've deviated from that so much. There's been a lot of augmentation. There's a lot of uh, addendums. And every time a developer comes and approaches city council and says, hey, we want to do this, we want to do that, and city council says, okay, let's do that, okay, let's do that. But there's never been a... a uh, kind of a foresight or consideration into the impacts 20 years from now of how those decisions uh, will ripple, you know, throughout the, the community and affect our quality of life. So I feel um, I can go so much more into that. I don't know if you want me to. Well, but just one question, though. You said there's never been this oversight, or you mean, or are you drawing a line when that's been happening? I want to say that there needs to be more foresight into the decisions that we are making today um, in knowing its impact, or at least um, forecasting the impact 20 years from now and how that would affect our quality of life, and well, always I, having yes. that foresight. Well, I, I understand the impact. I just meant is where, where you're drawing the line where this, this has been happening, how long that lack of consideration has been happening. So how equipped are you in negotiating, uh, A, having your planning commissioner that you would appoint uh, negotiate and have you as a city council member negotiate terms leveraging the the heft that the city council authority has uh, with any private sector developer? 
Well, I think the problem comes down to the fact that uh, city council members uh, have the potential of being influenced by private interest groups. And uh, I, for one, uh, don't have any ties into any private interest groups, developers, or anything like that. I've been kind of on my own stream with, uh, you know, academia and also with entrepreneurship and the nonprofit. So I really don't have uh, any... I'm not swayed by these interest groups. Uh, what I am swayed by is our quality of life in this city. And so I'm speaking as a resident, and I also make decisions as a resident and how that would affect me and not how um, it would increase my pocketbook. Okay. For those of you who've just tuned in, this is Ask a Leader, and my guest is Ian DeLucian. He's running for one of the two seats on the Irvine City Council. So what Ian, are you learning from the constituents when you're out campaigning? What are they telling you? Okay, so we've heard a lot about the development and the traffic and how that's affecting a quality of life. But there's also something that we're not hearing, but it's just as significant. Uh, One is food insecurity um, at our college campuses. I just met with uh, the student body at UC Irvine, and some members of that are a part of another organization, part of UC Irvine, that's investigating how uh, two out of five college students suffer from food insecurity. That is, they don't have money to buy food, or the little money that they have to buy food affords them to eat ramen every single day. Um, and also in the, la- uh, in the same vein, affordable housing. So uh, city of Irvine has a uh, 15% poverty rate, and that concentration is right around UC Irvine campus. Uh, so this is a huge problem, not only in the city, but also for our college students, our our uh, our greatest and brightest minds that are going to be the future of the city. Um, So in addition to that, there's also the traffic and safety uh, as it relates to pedestrians and bikers. So as we know, the speed limits in Irvine are relatively high, and there's no really any kind of barrier protecting our bikers or pedestrians from this um, this flow of traffic. And as a result, we see uh, a lot of incidents that could be avoided if we uh, dedicate and if we prioritize pedestrian and biker safety on our roads. And I understand that there are bike paths, you know, all around the city, uh, but a lot of times in order the quickest way to get to point A to point B is via the streets, via the large avenues. And if you uh, take that route, which a lot of students do as well, because bikes are their primary mode of transportation, uh, you're not uh, safeguarded against these fast-going cars. Well, in some other panels and debates about city policy, that there are people that are wanting to increase that speed with making sure that the lights are all engineered so there's a, a flow. So I think that that flow of traffic is going to increase that. So there's a we definitely have a a conflict uh, of right away for sure on the on the roads. Um, so. Uh, I know traffic's been, uh, it's been a recurrent discussion point around the city. I, I know that this food insecurity, I don't think that's going to be the jurisdiction of the city council, but the affordable housing definitely would be. So um, I, um, this is, keep, everybody keep this on your check sheet for candidates. So what uh, do you, besides, do you propose anything else, Ian, about how to improve the traffic conditions? Yeah. So um, some very, very practical solutions that we can implement, and some of these I've resounded before in in previous forums, and also other candidates share some of these same views. First, uh, shuttles to major shopping centers. This gives a benefit to 
our, our kids who don't drive, and we encourage them not to drive if they're shuttles. Also, our senior citizens who uh, may not be able to drive uh, to have shuttles to the major centers to connect them with the, the resources. Uh, so that's one. Second is uh, shifting the, the day work schedule for uh, certain companies, so negotiating with certain companies in the city and, and staggering the, the, the shifts so that we don't have everyone going to work at the same time and leaving at the same time. Third, implementing uh, bike share programs or ride share programs within the city. I'm, I'm starting to see some uh, motivation and some momentum with that regard with Irvine Company, uh, especially where I work here near the spectrum. Uh, but we need to really, really push bike share and ride share so that we can get more cars off the streets. And that's, it's, just, it's more sustainable, right, for us to utilize active transportation versus depending on individual cars to transport ourselves around the city. And then fourth, um, I would uh, further conduct a study of where most of the traffic is coming from. What we're hearing is that a lot of traffic is coming from outside the city. Uh, perhaps we can implement uh, rideshare points so people coming into the city, they're just going to one location, and from there they're getting shuttled to where they need to go within the city instead of uh, having uh, many individual cars you know, going to the same place within the cities and, and clogging and congesting the city that way. We can also leverage uh, Uber and Lyft, uh, the, you know, the um, rideshare technologies that are out on the road already within our streets, uh, but maybe, um, I don't know, this is just an idea. Uh, you know, work with uh, our local residents who uh, work with these rideshare programs and to help, to help them get uh, people to and from work, to and from school during the morning and during those times so that we have less cars on the road by leveraging the rideshare programs that we already have. Another candidate on this show previously mentioned, though, that uh, with the the kind of affluent housing stock that Irvine continues to add to the stock, the existing stock, that this is a, a demographic that may be not so predisposed toward regulating when they can go out on the road and that kind of a thing. So I think it's it's going to be a steep climb to try to legislate a, a flex and a staggered kind of a commuting schedule. So it's, it's an interesting point um, and a trial to definitely raise uh, before all constituents of, of these possibilities. So a while back, Irvine had first a, a prorating of a, a business tax it exacted from businesses. The larger your the number of employees you had, the higher your business tax was. Then it went to a flat rate. It was some some sort of a, I don't know, it was under 100 bucks per business. So it was regressive in that way. And then the, the recent administration on the city council dispensed with it entirely. Ian, what is your position on a city business tax? My first and foremost position on business is protecting small businesses at all costs. Um, from being pushed out of the city, whether it be by paying high taxes or not being able to afford their rent, or just uh, basically uh, through the gentrification of the city and having a lot of uh, bigger chains replace them. So first and foremost, protecting small businesses. Uh, second, in, as it relates to your question with the business tax, I think uh, as with uh, our personal tax, a, a tiered system uh, it seems to make the most sense because if, if you are a larger business and if you can afford to pay a little bit more tax and contribute to the city, uh, it, it makes the most sense. And if you are a smaller business and you have a, uh, uh, a smaller revenue stream, then you pay less tax. So it, it just seems practical to me to, to uh, do a tiered tax system. 
Okay, and then on to a, I'm, I'm jumping from leaping an entirely different topic so we can give every candidate that does appear on Ask a Leader a chance to cover this the broad spectrum of concerns. I've had many climate scientists on Ask a Leader, and they have found that the action, that since no action is taking place on the federal level, the action's happening at the municipal level. I'd like to know what, Ian, is your vision of some kind of climate change related ordinances that you would see adopted on the uh, in Irvine? So this is a nonpartisan race, but I do want to say, because this is relevant to the question, I am a Green Party candidate and I'm proud to be a Green Party candidate. And as a Green Party candidate, we are very focused on environmentalism and protecting uh, this land that we live on, which, uh, you know, uh, gives us the resources that we need in order to survive, and it, it's a symbiotic relationship, so we, we respect the land. Uh, so what I would do, and it's one of my top platform items, is to encourage and incentivize renewable energy. Uh, we're talking solar panels. We're talking solar panels, um, you know, in parking lots uh, to provide shading and at the same time give us um, more sustainable energy, um, also uh, putting in solutions that uh, make heating and cooling more efficient. As, as the, as the uh, temperature rises, our demand for energy use will also rise with it, and having infrastructure in place and technologies in place uh, to make sure that uh, we comfortably heat and cool our homes without taxing the energy grid um, I think is paramount. And then also, recently, I, I, you know, I did some research on water conservation and how we can, as individuals can do our part in, in that. And one of the things I did was um, retrofitted my existing uh, uh, toilet system with a dual flush, you know, so a single flush for less water and um, a, a, uh, a more um, high-volume flush for the, the regular flush. I mean, you're saving basically 50% or more with every single flush, and that's one person. Imagine if 50% uh, or 75% of city of Irvine did that and how much water we would initially save without having to go through the reclamation process. Okay, and the last question, Ian DeLucian, is where is your financial support coming from in your city council campaign? So once again, as a Green Party candidate, I uh, cannot accept any uh, uh, corporate uh, donations uh, and any private interest donations. Uh, so mainly my support comes from my family, uh, my friends, and also individual supporters uh, in Irvine. Okay, well, Ian, I want to thank you for your time uh, today, and as I do with all candidates, I thank you for running for public office. It's a, it takes a toll. It's an athletic venture, for sure, to, to keep campaigning. So I, I thank you so much for doing I that. Ho I wholeheartedly agree, and I thank you so much for everything that you do, Claudia. Okay. We'll be right back. That was a... Ian DeLucian, and he's running for one of the two city council races here. And so this, the seats that are open will be right back after a very short station break with Gong Chen, one of the four candidates running for Irvine mayor. Be right back. Thanks for staying tuned, everyone. Welcome back to the show. My next guest is Mr. Gong Chen, one of four candidates running for the city of Irvine. 
mayoral position. Gang Chen completed his Bachelor's of Science degree in architecture at South China University of Science and Technology. That's in Guangdong. I, I hope I didn't mess up the, the diphthongs there. Province of the People's Republic of China. He earned a Master's of Landscape Architecture degree from the School of Architecture at USC and studied for a year in the PhD program of the USC School of Planning with the research assistantship uh, focusing on traffic studies. He's licensed in LEED uh, lead design. Uh, that's the cutting-edge energy efficiency uh, credential. And his architecture practice in California includes publishing architectural exam guides. He was a senior project manager at Nadell Architects, Inc., JAG Architecture, Inc., and is currently director of architectural service at Architeg, Inc. Welcome to Ask a Leader, Gong Chen. Good morning, Claudia. I'm happy to be here. And good morning to your great listening audience. I'm very Happy to be here. He joins me in studio today. I'm so happy to have him on here. Well, I, I'm going to give you that same opportunity to tell us, and I, I'll turn off your mic if I hear a, a stump speech coming up. But I'd like to know, what's your motivation? You're going from, from private sector immediately, directly, right into running for mayor. What motivates you to assume this campaign? I started working in Irvine in 1995. And I bought my first home in Irvine and moved my entire family to Irvine in 1997. Irvine is my home. I love it dearly. Irvine is a great city, but it definitely has room for improvement. In the past 10 years, I see the city of Irvine start to decline. The development has started to become out of control and traffic is getting worse every day. It gets to me. This is the city I live in. This is my town. And my kids, all my kids go to the Irvine Public School uh, District. And also they, they swim in the Irvine Swim League. They play in the Irvine Soccer hit, uh, Field. And if I feel this great city is starting to decline, I know I have the experience, knowledge, and expertise to stop the decline and bring it up again. If I do, do not do that, it gets to me. I cannot even sleep well at night. So it's like a mission for me. Okay. So dealing with those things that are motivating you. Let's talk then about, and which is what everybody gets to talk. We're, we're trying to keep most questions pretty comparable so listeners have a chance to make adequate comparisons between candidates. So as we were talking earlier, you heard uh, he, he was sitting in with the, Ian's uh, interview previously here. The city's master plan amidst the current growth is now, it was it drawn, drafted to accommodate what's a smaller population than what we're dealing with now. We're like at about 50, at least 50,000 over what the master plan had assumed. And so I'd like to know what your approach to addressing, uh, adjusting the master plan as well as whether, um, what your concerns are with the trailing of mixed use development orders that have been approved um, in the last two to four years. Uh, thank you, this is a great question. You know why- Because you're an architect, you're the best one to ask. Yeah. City of Irvine is great because of uh, my fellow architect, William Pereira. Back in 1960s, he came up with a good master plan for Irvine, and we developed based on his master plan. That's why we have been successful for many years. But unfortunately, in the past 10 years, we have deviated from the master plan. Uh, what happened is a lot of the developers, they just look at their own little pictures, their own profits. It was whatever the development they do is good for them, for the certain small area. It's a piecemeal of the city. But somebody, the city council and mayor, failed to kind of look at the whole picture. We, we are the uh, elected officials if you become mayor or city uh, council. You need to make sure 
you need to consider what's best for the entire city. For example, in the original master plan, we have something called village concept. Basically, the city of Wuhan is comprised of a number of villages. Each village is supposed to be independently operated. You have your own school, you have your own shop, you have your own professional office, dental office. Basically, like for example, Woodbridge, people can do all their stuff within the village without going to the big street like Cowboy or Urban Center Drive or anything. They can just they can go to the neighborhood shopping centers. They can walk to their school. They can buy to their schools. So what happens in the past 10 years, a lot of new development, when they develop, for example, Quail Hill, they develop a new school. They moved the Elderwood School from Woodbridge to there. It was good for a certain time because the, the teacher, they love to have a new classroom, new campus. And the reason why developers want to move the school there because it's easy for them, and also they do not have enough enrollment at that time. But unfortunately, after 10, 15 years, all the new development areas started uh, be, be completed, and then you have a lot of kids in the new development area also. So what happens is now the new school become very crowded. Old school, some of them, they have not been reopened. So we really need to go back and reopen some of the old schools. So go back to the neighborhood concept so that we can walk and buy to school. This uh, concept can help us solve so many problems, reduce the traffic. There's a lot of things we can do together. But unfortunately, we lost the opportunity for Elderwood. They sold that original old campus. And then they to develop it, they build into more housing. That's worse for our community. Imagine this old neighborhood, they have been there for 20, 30 years before the, all the new development come from. So for some reason, the school district decided to shut down the school and sold it to developers. So they lost their school. That's why they lost their opportunity to buy and walk to school. This is something we do not want to see happen. Well, d don't you see that the developers have a large role in the siding of these brand new school districts, that the Melarus money that builds new schools is where those new developments are, and it's, uh, is it not a marketing tool? So you have, it's incumbent of every city council member, mayor included, to negotiate what terms you want for those yes. new development Maybe orders. for the new development, we can help them for 10, 15 years to move some of the old family there for maybe temporary for 10, 15 years. But after the new development area has been established, we need to start to reopen some of the old schools to re revitalize our old neighborhood. That way, we, it will significantly reduce the traffic. For example, October 10, it was a day off for school. You see the entire street was empty. A huge amount of the traffic is coming from people sending their kids to schools or picking up their kids from schools. Yes. Right. Well, I think lots of us will attest to that's like the, the, the most dangerous place on the planet is. Yes. It's where parents are dropping off and picking up their, yep. their offspring. It's crazy dangerous. Well, what are you learning? And you've talked about some issues that maybe that you're concerned about as an individual, as mm -hmm. a consumer of municipal services. What are you learning from constituents that you're, when you're out campaigning? Yeah, you? I have not gone 16,000 doors myself, and I have many volunteers that help me out. We've not gone about 50,000 doors so far in Irma. We cover 90% of the voters' household. So basically, my platform was developed based on the feedback from the voters, not from my own ideas. Okay. So my platform is very simple. It's one vision with three focus. The vision is to turn Irvine into a real first-class city, but still we want to maintain all the good, unique features that we already have, like being the safest city in the nation, a lot of park and green space, nice architecture, a very relaxing family ranch feeling because Irvine starts from an Irvine family. And under this vision, I have three focus. Number one is traffic. We really need to use some creative and holistic approach to alleviate the traffic problem. Number two is to really control and manage our growth. 
Number three is education. Education is good, but it could be much better. Yep. For those of you who've just tuned in, this is Ask a Leader on Radio KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. And my guest in this portion of the show, I'm splitting up with to get as much campaign coverage as possible with more segments than usual. In this middle segment, my guest is Gong Chen, and he is running in the Irvine mayoral race where there are four candidates. We will get a chance to hear all four. So I asked the, um, I asked, just asked Ian, you were here for that. What is your position? Because it takes money to run municipal services to keep everybody safe, everybody happy, everybody moving, flowing. So in the Treasury, there, there was a drop off in the Treasury when the city business tax was discontinued entirely with the, the new administration serving on the city council. What's your position, Gangchen, on the city business tax? I support the current city council uh, decision to remove the $50 business licensing fee. Those are the most people that benefit from this is a small business. I have a small business myself. You have to pay the $50 licensing fee or $51 to be set before they re remove the fee. No matter how much money you make or even you don't pay, pay a penny, so because city of Irvine is actually competing with a lot of neighboring cities for business. And small business is the backbone for our economy. For example, at least Viejo never have that $50 business license fee. That's why you see a lot of people opening business in Elisa Viejo. City of Irvine, we want to have a good chance to compete with other cities. So we want to have more small business to start to op operate in our city. We want to make sure the business rent is affordable. That's one of the things I hear from the campaign train. They say there's not competition in commercial rental business. The, f the rent is like $5 per square feet. It's ridiculous high. How can you do a business if the rent is $5 per square feet? So that's a lot of things we can do together. But overall, the business, we're talking about two fees. One is the business license fee. That's the one they remove. It's $51 per year. But business still paying a large sum of money to the city. I think it's a tier uh, business test. That's where we got most of our revenue anyway. So you don't think that um, the small businesses would benefit if larger businesses were paying into this this treasury with a city business have the, the pharmaceutical uh, companies? I think they are the still paying office. for it. They are still pay, but are it's been stopped. No, none of them. Are not, I remember when this was discontinued in the, in the press, they were saying, gosh, we could surely pay at least 50 bucks. So <laughs> I, I'm just thinking, are we leaving money on the table when we discontinue it across the board? So it's it's kind of hard to administrate if you just want to say maybe you want to say if the business annual income is over a million dollars you still continue with 51 I think they pay more than that they, they pay a percentage of their their income but the 51 dollar I think across the board removing is good it's so the business we are business friendly uh, city it's a gesture to the business we welcome you to do business in Irvine every business come to Irvine they bring actually bring sales tax, bring a lot of other things to the city, bring uh, work opportunities for young people. So we want to welcome business to the city of Irvine. Well, now I'd like to ask about some of the signs that have been posted around there. What there's a, First, you see candidates who are uh -huh. proclaiming their name, the office they're running for, and then there is a, a different kind of a, of a sign system that is besmirching the others without identifying who the supporter of that sign is. Can you can you give us any insight about that? Uh, yes. Uh, actually, I think if you check with FPPC and 
the city attorney and city clerk, there are a, f a number of uh, regulations regarding the signs. For example, if it's an independent committee, then you need to put down, pay for by so-and-so a committee. If the candidate is putting signs supporting himself, uh, opposing his opponent, he does not need to put in any identification. It's absolutely legal. Another thing is if the money spent for the signs for less than $2,000, Nobody has to put any identification on those signs. Those are all California laws. I, I know some somebody may not be comfortable. I, people always disagree with each other, but respect each other's opinion. I, th I hear somebody was saying, you can remove the sign if it's not identified. I think that's illegal. If you're removing sign, it's stealing signs. It could be land you in big trouble. I know sign is not something that's pleasant to look at, but it's an effective way for ordinary people like you and me to fight the big interest group. Because interest group, they put in half, half a million dollars or one million dollars to even produce those fake newspapers. Like five months before the election, you see the newspaper come up. And then after the election, the newspaper is gone. The newspaper's purpose only is promote one or two candidates. So for you and me, we don't have money, the five, half a million dollars or one million dollars to produce fake newspapers. The sign is a good way to communicate with voters, to tell voters why you are good or why the other guy is not as good. So it's like David and Gala. That, that the sign is the sling for the little David that has no other tools to fight in this fight. Wow. I, it's a hit and run expression because I, you know, we're walking, we're driving by quickly. And some of us are riding our bicycles by, but most people are motoring past, and so uh -huh. it's a it's a rather quick conveyed message. And I I don't know if there's ever been with certain uh, testy signs or uh, certain messages that uh, slow people down and maybe cause a little bit of a diverted driver yeah, if, if situation. You, if, if you read the Bible, nobody has ever used sling in warfare before David. So you, you can say, hey, how come you don't use a bow or arrow or knife or saw? Because David has no other choice. He has, the only thing he has is that little sling that he has. And he took advantage of that sling and make a big difference in history. Okay, on to the next topic, climate sciences, as I've mentioned with Ian and with the other candidates who all hear me asking about this. I'd like to know what your vision is given that the climate scientists, as I've said, who've been on this program before, have talked about the only, not the only, but for now, it's municipal leadership that's going to carry the climate change directives. What would be your vision with the, at the municipal level were you to become mayor? Yes, uh, first of all, I actually want to kind of reintroduce myself. I actually published 26 books. Many of those books is on lead, green building, and sustainable design and development. LED means leadership in energy and environmental design. I'm all for green building and sustainable developments because my supporter, for example, has, I, I have a very diverse group. Some people was even saying climate change is absolute hoax. Some people think it's absolute truth. I just don't want to get involved with the senseless debate. Let's just be more pragmatic, just do practical things. A lot of things we can do together to make the planet better. For example, reduce, reuse, recycle. That's a lot of things we can do together. Saving water. If you read some of the books I published, there's a sixth category we can be mm -hmm. improving. For example, how do you choose a building site to reduce the traffic? That's one, number one. And how to encourage the bicycle or public transit, you get a certain point. Lead is a 
rating system for green building. It's right. like like the Olympics. If you watch the diving or any kind of contest, it's a very complicated process. But outsider need to be able to understand. You can or get to a certain point, you become the gold medalist or silver medalist or bronze medalist. It's the same thing. Lead is a good way to quantify something. Once you start to quantify something, it becomes very scientific. You can improve on. So lead is for expert like uh, like me and uh, like me. We know how do you get a certain point to become a green building and so on. For outsider, they just need to oh this guy, this building is lead platinum or lead gold or lead silver or lead certified. That's a good way to kind of encourage green building development. If, if if I become the mayor, I will implement a lot of my expertise into the city ordinance. So yeah, this actually begs the question: Do you know what percentage? Of the commercial office space in the institutional setting in Irvine is does have some kind of lead qualification. Uh, actually, in uh, a couple years ago, Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger, he basically asked the California building officials come up with something called California Green Building Code. The California Green Building Code is based on the lead silver standard. Okay, so okay. basically, Arnold so has still a lot of idea from lead without paying for it. You have to pay a certain money to become lead right, platinum right. or lead gold, uh, lead silver. So uh, I think a huge percentage the new building already uh, implement a lot of the lead criteria. But I would go above and beyond so whatever you know, that's required. Do you know to what extent there are those designations in this city, and how many? The percentage is not really high because a lot of people they do lots not, of improvement. Yeah, they. And a lot of owners, they don't want to pay the fee to get the lease certificate. Is it expensive? Yeah, it's quite expensive. So yes. bigger than those licenses we're talking yeah. about. Yeah, 10000 10000 okay. 10, so 10, the, the prestige and status that you get n are not necessarily offsetting the Some the big awards. companies, they, they, they love it. Like they say, oh, our building is lead platinum. It, it's a marketing tool for them. It's okay. a branding opportunity Somewhere. for them. Like some big companies, they love it. It's, I think it's, it's a good option out there for the market. Yeah. Okay. Well, and finally, the last question is, where is your financial support coming from in my your campaign? My financial support is all coming from small business and bis uh, people like you and me. Every one of them is under the $470 uh, city limit for mayor campaign. We have a maximum per person uh, contribution limit is $470. So if you look at my, my documentation, it's all from small business people like you and me. It's, there's no big money in my campaign. Well, I don't know if you had any closing statement you wanted to make, and then uh, that was my last question. Yes, so oh, we'll, we'll be good. I do have a closing statement yes, to make. Yes, please. Uh, for example, remember my platform is one vision with three focus. First class city is the vision, the three focus is traffic, manage and control our growth, and education. But what's more important, I'm a licensed architect. I have the experience and expertise to lead the effort of for the Great Park. Great Park, if you go to my website, gainchainusa.com, has become the biggest scandal in Irvine history because career politicians has misused the money. So uh, anyway, I am a licensed architect. I have a lot of experience in doing that. And please consider vote for me on November. I'll be honored to have your vote. Thank you very much. Oh, Mr. Gong Chen, I thank you for coming on, giving us the time on the show today. And thank you for running for public office. I'm happy to be here. Nice to meet you, Claudia. Okay, stay tuned. We're going to be right back with Shiva Farivar, who's running for the one of the city council seats. Be right back. Hey, look me over. Lend me an ear. 
Well, thank you, everybody, for staying tuned. That was Mel Torme. That was Hey, Look Me Over. We're back here at Ask a Leader. My next and my final guest is City Council candidate Shiva Farivar. She completed her bachelor's degrees in political science and German literature from the University of California, San Diego, and her master's degree in German literature from UCI. She was a banker in both San Francisco and L.A., for 10 years, and she relocated with her young family to Irvine in 1994. Shiva Farvar has served as executive assistant to Mayor Beth Crom, then later served on Irvine's Community Service Commission for seven and a half years, five of which were she chaired on that commission. She also chaired the advisory committee of Irvine's Strategic Plan for Children, Youth, and Families. Other community involvement includes serving on numerous site school site councils working as the executive assistant to the mayor of Irvine and directing the Persian New Year Festival in Irvine for three years. So she's previously appeared on the show during her last campaign in uh, 2010. I'm welcoming her back. I'm going to try to get my connection here. It's kind of flimsy. Uh, Welcome her back to Ask a Leader. Good morning, Claudia. I'm so happy to be back on your show, and thank you for having me back. Thank you for your... Uh, introduction it was perfect oh my gosh there is there's you know there's only one thing that's perfect I'm not gonna bring <laughs> thank you <laughs> well I'm I'm uh, throwing in the next the the real the classic intro uh, uh, for <laughs> you it's what is your motivation I mean you've run before what's your motivation for running this time from the City Council yes well my motivation is that I think the um, City Council has gone into the wrong direction for the past at least four years, and I want to see Irvine be back, uh, put back on the right track because we are a model city, and we are we have so many things that we are proud of, and I want to make sure that we maintain uh, all our values as a city. And um, the past four years, um, I believe that the council has not been a true representative of the residents of Irvine. And I am very adamant about the fact that when you are a public official, you should be representing the interests of your constituents. And with my background as a community services commissioner, um, serving the community is my priority. Uh, I think that is the main reason that I wanted to step in again and give it one more try. Okay. So I'm asking everybody pretty comparable questions so that the listeners get a pretty uh, balanced sort of look at what each of the candidates bring in their campaigns into policy. Mm-hmm. I'd like for you to tell us, Shiva Farivar, the sister, sister that was easy not for me to say, the city's master plan uh, amidst growth rates, it's fallen behind at least by 50,000 population at this point. I'd like to know what you on the city council would do to address the uh, amp- amping up addressing this the, this population demographic trend and what's your priority with respect to mm-hmm. retaining and uh, adding back the the mixed uses in the new development redevelopment mm-hmm. orders coming up yes thank you for that um, wonderful uh, question uh, there's going to be um, <laughs> it's it can be a very long answer i know we are um uh, don't have that much time for it, but 
in a nutshell, I think that Irvine has a um, wonderful master plan that we used to adhere to with high planning standards. And uh, what that means is every kind of development, every time a development was approved, with it came all sorts of other things, including the right infrastructure, a, um, let's say, a shopping center next to uh, the residential uh, development and uh, new schools. And so if we adhere to the planning standards that used to guide the city, uh, we will be, um, you know, continuing on the path that we used to be on. Uh, with the Irvine is at um, 250,000 right now as far as population goes. And with 300,000, um, yes, we will grow by another 50,000. So that will be 300,000 that will put us at the max. And with that, with the city's growth in population, we need to make sure that, first of all, we maintain our public safety. And what I'm planning to do is make sure if I am get on the council to uh, hire more police officers so that we have the right ratio uh, as police officer to residents. Right now is 0.84 to 1,000 residents, and I want to hire enough police officers so that we have 0.1 per 1,000 residents uh, to make sure that as we grow, our neighborhoods remain safe. People, young and old, can be comfortable and safe walking. Um, and another thing that I will be definitely looking at is the amount of schools as we are um, growing and building the new neighborhoods. I, I know our schools are being um, are getting overcrowded, so that's that requires a very strong relationship with IUSD, and that is one thing that I want to definitely enhance is stronger relationships with all educational institutions. We also need to look into child care because a lot of young families are coming to Irvine because of our reputation as, you know, safest city with excellent education. So there are so many different factors that come in. It's not just building uh, structures. It's not just building homes. With it has to come a very thoughtful and measured planning for everything else that comes with the fact that people are moving into Irvine. I know it's much longer than... No, it, well, because I asked about, like, it wasn't three-dimensional, it was about a four-dimensional question in terms of the, yeah. you know, s rational planning method on wheels. So, uh, but we, I know that we had a, a case study with Woodbridge's redevelopment where the mixed use was going to be Mm -hmm. uh, eliminated, but it wasn't from the leadership of the council. I believe it was from the grassroots level that the p point was driven home to the, the the city hall that we we can't give up that mix because it of the the impacts on the household level and on the municipal level of moving the commercial out of those residential uh, those village concepts. So, what, Steve Farivar, what are you learning from constituents when you're out campaigning? You know what? Um, people love Irvine. That's number one. Um, but everybody, of course, is complaining about the traffic. Everybody. And uh, so that's number one. And number two is um, a lot of people do not like um, the pace of growth. I don't think people are necessarily 
um, against growth. But it has been happening too fast, and that's what people are concerned about. How do we manage? How do we manage the infrastructure with all these new developments? So there are a lot of very uh, reasonable, rational concerns of people. But the, the main thing is that everybody loves living here. So what I want to do on the council is to make sure that we, um, I want to, I, I say it like, you know, maintain the core values of what makes Irvine, Irvine. Every city has its own character. I, I know we are uh, <laughs> considered a beige city, um, which, you know, if you look at the, at the outside, it's like judging a book by its cover, which is not always fair. But we have the most wonderful mix of ethnic um, immigrants living in Irvine, and it's the most integrated uh, city as far as ethnicities go, where we do not have certain parts of the city that is just geared towards one ethnicity and not another. So that makes us very unique. And coupled with educational excellence and master planning and public safety, I call these the core values of Irvine. And I just want to make sure that if, I'm, if I get on the council, um, that I maintain those values and just enhance them, that we do not lose sight of, um, you know, what the city is supposed to uh, represent and, you know, a mix of new businesses coming to Irvine because we are um, a wonderful city to, to do business at and all the um, new residents that are coming in. So there is a lot going on. And we just want people to be on the council who make nonpartisan and non-ideological decisions for the residents, because um, local politics should not be partisan whatsoever. And that is one of my main um, themes, that I am truly an independent um, candidate, not beholden to any party, because when you're sitting on the council, you have to make decisions for the interests of the city, the interests of the community and the interests of the uh, residents. And it shouldn't matter which party you're from, as long as you maintain that objective, rational approach uh, to finding solutions for the future. And the future is uh, coming fast, and uh, it's, uh, it's going to be very challenging. But, you know, I think it's very exciting. For those of you who've just joined us here on Ask a Leader, my last guest for the program is City Irvine City Council candidate Shiva Farivar running for two of the seats that are on this election uh, cycle's ballot. So you were talking about business. What, Shiva Farivar, is your position mm -hmm. on the city business tax that was discontinued this, during this last administration? Mm, yeah, I know. Um, you know, um, I don't want to sound... Um, I don't want to sound any sarcastic or anything, but I didn't truly think that businesses had a problem with providing a $50 plus uh, tax license to the city, and it was eliminated. Um, if I get on the council, I will I will look at it again and see if uh, you know the, how has it impacted the city budget, because it does, and um, if it has impacted the city budget. Um, I will look at it and see if we should reinstate it. You know, um, 
fiscal responsibility and 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 um, eliminating wasteful spending. Those are big words that are always being thrown around. And um, I really think that uh, we need to look at wasteful spending. It's funny because um, you know the council, the majority on the council, uh, always talk about it, but um, a lot of money has been wasted if you ask me. I know we don't want to get into a different subject here, but... Um, but okay. I just, but that, that is your position then, to reconsider, you were saying. Yes. And, and Okay, so for the last question is about, well, there's two of them. Uh, the climate scientists maintain that the municipal level is really the area where leadership can best, mm-hmm. for now, be demonstrated with the lack of action on the federal level. What is your vision for implementing some kind of climate change mm-hmm. agenda? You know, first of all, I do believe in it. So I'm definitely not one of uh, the people who, who doubts that we, uh, we um, have global warming and we need to do things on climate change. And I think it's absolutely true that on the uh, local level, uh, a lot can be done. I will be working, um, I mean, I would love to work closely with uh, experts in that field. And I believe that, you know, we have uh, the right resources here at the University of California in Irvine, um, which I'm proud to be an alumna from. Uh, I think there are enough experts and scientists um, here in the city that we can really um, ask for their help and uh, for the ideas as to what kinds of things can be done on the local level. I know a lot of cities, for example, have... Um, eliminated plastic bags, and, you know, I will be looking at uh, long-term transportational solutions because I think we, um, you know, like I said before, traffic is one of the uh, major issues, and there are short-term solutions as far as fixing traffic lights and widening streets and all that is concerned, which the city is uh, going to implement. But long-term, I want to look at, you know, what can we do to promote other transportational uh, means like enhancing our biking paths and walking paths. By the way, walking, uh, I do have an idea that, you know, might not be uh, very revolutionary, but a lot of people like to walk, but I think we need a few more uh, benches here and there around the city for people, you know, like our senior citizens who do like to walk, but um, get a little tired, and so we need to have um, their health in take into consideration. But back to the question. But well, we, um, we have to wrap with uh, one yeah, yeah. last question I want to ask. Where is your campaign's financial support coming from as I wrap up the interview? Uh, from um, supporters only. Supporters and any particular supporters? I mean, as far as uh, mm. are they in the city, or out of the city, the levels mm. of support? With- Most, mostly in the city. They're mostly Irvine uh, residents who want to see um, you know, my campaign be a successful one, and I've had uh, wonderful support, and I have raised um, a good amount of money, and um, no special, no special interest for sure. Well, I want to thank you, Shiva Farvar, for taking the time to I be on the you. show. Shiva Farvar is city council candidate for uh, Irvine. Uh, there are two seats that are open. Thanks for being on the show, and as I say to all candidates, thank you very much for running office. <laughs> Thank you, Claudia, for giving me the time to uh, introduce myself and my campaign. I really appreciate the opportunity.
Okay, thank you so much. So what we're going to do here is um, we've, we're going to close the show with, uh, and I wanted to mention that for those of you who've, um, you know, are a little bit queasy about the, the claim that there may be a rigged election, I just want to tell you that uh, the best foil for that is to vote. So next week I'm going to have the full hour devoted to California Propositions with Jan Wagner, a co-leader of the Northern Chapter of the League of Women Voters. Be with you next week. Thanks for listening. <laughs>